All right, welcome to this episode of Group Thinkers, the uh, the podcast from RKD Group. Where on each and every episode we have someone uh, from the nonprofit marketing space who's got a unique insight, perspective, or who's doing something innovative. Join us, and uh, and we talk about the state of things. We talk about uh, things that we're all wrestling with. And so uh, good to see everybody. I'm your host Justin McCord. With me, as always, is Ronnie Richard. And uh, we have a, a, a special guest today. Uh, we're we're talking to um, Ken. I'm going to say the caboose, right? And we're going to get into how that fits in, right? Uh, but in, in some cases, the caboose of the nonprofit marketing chain. Uh, so we're we're in a special series talking about the supply chain. And so we've got with us Kent Grove from Merkel RMG. Kent, good morning to you. Hi, Justin. Good morning. Hi, Ronnie. Good morning to you too. Morning. It's good. It's good to. Uh, it's good to see you, Kent. We were we were catching up beforehand and and talking about many chats that we've had sitting at the Gaylord and the you know at the Bridge Conference. And uh, I'm excited for the chance to get to do that again soon. Hopefully, sitting in person uh, with you and and other folks, other friends from the space. Yes, I am too. It's been a uh, almost. Uh, two years now since the last time I was at an in-person event. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing you soon. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, I've, I've noticed some of our, our executives are starting to use uh, IRL in reference to in real life. And it's funny to hear them use those things. It's, you know, it's like seeing, uh, seeing your parents text from time to time. So um, anyway, so Kent, just at the outset, you know, like I, I mentioned this, this season that we're in, our seventh season of the podcast, where we're focused and zoned in on talking about the supply chain and its impact on the nonprofit marketing space. And uh, and so I think that you've got some tremendously unique insights on how uh, everything that's happening in the supply chain impacts nonprofits because of the space in which you sit. And so just at the outset, wh what I, I want you to do is first, I want you to talk about your journey and your path to uh, your current role of, as president of uh, Merkel RMG. Um, and, and, and then just subsequent to that, just explain for our listener base a little bit about what Merkel RMG does and, and maybe even, uh, you know, when your kids ask you what you do for a living, like how you answer that. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, again, thanks, Justin, for having me today. Um, talk a little bit about my journey to, to Merkel. Uh, when I left college, I was lucky enough to become a corporate trainer or trainee, I should say, with uh, Hyatt Hotels. And um, that led me to uh, the largest hotel on the East Coast, which was in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was lucky enough to uh, work in a trainee program with 12 other individuals uh, from across the country and really learn and understand uh, at that point what I thought was the hotel business and what I thought would be my ultimate career. Um, so I got to learn quite a bit about every department in a, a hotel of over 1,200 rooms. Um, in the first you know, three years of my experience with Hyatt and uh, just really learned at the end of the day, what I look back on now is how to run a business effectively. Um, I had a passion at the time. I was pr I'm pretty structured, still am today. And I ended up going into what's called the rooms division um, where, uh, you know, you're handling uh, sort of front of the house activities. But it was at that time where I really understood and started developing um, 
customer service strategies for Hyatt and understanding that I like that type of business. Um, learned over time uh, through you know 13 years with Hyatt, living in about seven different major cities in the country, that management was a big part of what I like to do, uh, sales, customer service, development, those types of things, um, and uh, ended up being uh, my last stay in Miami, Florida. Uh, after Miami, my wife and I decided uh, it was time to settle down a bit. Uh, so we actually uh, decided where we wanted to move and we ended up picking Maryland. She's from Maryland. And uh, at that point, I started sort of looking for what I really wanted to get into for the remainder of my career. I was lucky enough to meet a, a bunch of folks from Merkel, um, love their organization. And soon I was recruited to take over and develop the customer service strategy for uh, the Merkel Response Management Group. And that was great because at the time, uh, we had about 60 clients, uh, we had two account managers, and there was no playbook. So I basically was handed a clean sheet of paper and was asked to develop a customer service strategy. Uh, so fast forward that um, to uh, 2017. In 2017, I'd been with Merkle at that point for 13 years. Uh, I moved into a development role, um, which I loved, uh, bringing new clients on board. Uh, we've had tremendous growth um, really over the last seven, eight years. We went from you know, 60 clients to over 210 of the world's or, or the United States uh, best nonprofits, very large clients, uh, small clients, medium-sized clients. Um, and then uh, from that point, uh, in sales, missing the day-to-day -day interaction with not only our 700 employees, but the client interaction that I had. So uh, my boss, Bill Sayer, who was the CEO, retired, um, and I, he and I talked. He knew that it was a passion of mine to run a large company one day. So I decided to hang up my uh, official sales hat and come back in to the office it, then in the height of COVID and... Uh, rekindle my relationship with our 700 employees, all of the clients that I managed or sold. And um, now I get to do a bit of everything that I like. So uh, that's sort of my journey. And I'm hoping to, uh, you know, make this my final journey, my final stop and uh, work here, hopefully another 10 years and, and uh, retire. Sometimes you, uh, sometimes you got to be careful what you ask for. You know, you ask for an opportunity to lead and, and to manage, and then you get it just at the outset of COVID. It, it really, it stretches you, right? Like you have to think differently as a leader. Uh, we've all had to think differently as leaders over the last, you know, uh, you know, 18, 19 going on 24 months. And, and I know, uh, from conversations that members of our team have had with members of your team that, uh, that you have been stretched as a leader and, you know, dealing with how to keep, you know, the business running through lockdowns and, and those sorts of things. Uh, and, and I think that that actually ties in well with the second part of my, of my initial question, which is, you know, just a little bit of an overview of what uh, Merkle RMG does and, and how it's performed and, and those pieces. Right. Um, what we, uh, we do uh, in an easy way to describe this, uh, 
when people ask me, hey, Kent, what do you do for a living? I typically tell people that we open envelopes. But the reality is we do a lot more than that. So we're traveling uh, to every major uh, P.O. box or PS, US, USPS system on the East Coast daily, uh, picking up uh 10,000, 100,000 pieces of mail, for example, every day, bringing all of that mail back for our 210 clients. And then we begin what's called the extraction process. So we're actually processing not only the money uh, for our clients on behalf of their clients, so we're acting as a bank, but at the same time, we're also collecting all of that data and then analyzing that data and then sending that back to our clients so they can then make secondary uh, decisions on what they would like to do in terms of marketing to a particular donor. Um, at our core, that's what we do. So we say we open envelopes, we put money in the bank and we send data. But in reality, we do a lot more than that here. Um, all of the high touch gifts, for example, um, things like planned giving, matching gifts, tributes, in honor ofs, in memorials, um, we're sending personalized notes, in some case, handwritten notes to donors. Uh, we're, we utilize auto pen techniques so we can sign, uh, uh, for example, the, the CEO of an organization's real signature. Um, so all that high touch work is done here as well. Um, we don't like to send anything back to a client unless they want us to. It puts an emphasis on uh, on response, right? Like there's so much of that that there's there's a part of it, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the the caboose analogy, because generally the there's the producing the marketing message that goes out and then there's the receiving the marketing message that comes in, which is where you fit. But that's an incomplete analogy. There's the catcher's mitt because and you you are the catcher's mitt for, you know, 200 nonprofits. And but that's it. That's not just it. Right? You're not just catching. There's so many different pieces of of uh, data and or uh, then what's after after you catch something. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'm curious uh, in in your role and uh, as you've seen the uh, the space evolve uh, or see us as you've seen us all navigate uh the the covid and and somewhat post covid space um now that we're moving into uh this the impact of the supply chain uh just give us a little bit of your your insights and thoughts on on how that's uh that is impacting uh your part of the industry uh, and and even share some examples of of how you've seen the supply chain impact uh, any of your your clients. Sure, absolutely. Um, I will start by saying that we absolutely have seen a change, um, and it started in really in March of 2021, um, and it started with one of our uh, useful partners, which is the United States Postal Service. Um, obviously. When I said earlier, it's all about speed to acknowledge. If the postal system is delayed by one day, that's a problem for me because that actually delays the donor experience by one additional day, and that's before the mail gets to my unit. So in March, um, and I analyze postmarks every day, but I noticed in March, um, which typically is a fairly, you know, it's 
it's slower than January, February, and starts to decline. But the postal delays from a, just a postmark itself, a uh, week and a half, two weeks before it would get to me. So that indicated immediately to me that there are issues with the postal system, which I can attribute to uh, some of the same issues that we've experienced here through COVID, very difficult to staff. You know, if you have one person that needs to, uh, uh, has been in contact, for example, and you do contract tra contact tracing, uh, you may lose 12 to 13 people for some number of days until they're tested or can come back to work. And um, so I understand, you know, those types of um, issues, particularly during a pandemic, um, but expected over time for things to get a bit better, just as our organization did, um, particularly with the federal government putting in, you know, very specific measures to eliminate the spread internally with the USPS system. But the reality is um, it's actually getting worse. Um, and a good example of that is what happened to us in October. October uh, for my 16 years here with Merkel is historically the second largest month in terms of volume every year. Because you've got so many acquisition pieces dropping in the early, like starting in September, people's calendars going out, you know, calendar mailings, acquisitions in the fall, heavy ups on renewals, getting ahead of the holiday season. Like it is a major focal point for all direct marketers uh, in terms of what's going out. Yes, absolutely. You're, you're exactly right. And it also gives the donor, I'm sorry, the the organizations that we work for a chance to resolicit for an end of year gift if the mailings hit in early October. Um, and obviously we budget uh, that way. So uh, unfortunately what happened here in October due to, this is a specific issue I believe with the USPS system, uh, postmarks three weeks, four weeks, a month and a half behind. So today, for example, Prior to our call, I'm receiving postmark dates of October 1st for many of our clients. And there really is no rhyme or reason as to specific uh, regions of the United States that I can pinpoint how these things are happening. Um, I also know that there's a severe labor shortage within the USPS system because my postal reps tell us that. Um, that's obviously concerning not only for our nonprofits because they too budget just like we do a certain amount of funds to be raised in a, in a particular month. And we're going into the fourth quarter, which is generally a very busy time for not only nonprofits uh, and organizations that do the work that we do. Um, and to have a bad October is not the way you want to start the fourth quarter. So we're now seeing uh, the third week into November, our volumes are extremely heavy now. So not only are we receiving planned mailings uh, that should have hit in October, but we're also seeing more localized work and call volume and things of that nature increasing because in November and December, everything increases. So now we're in a situation, at least with my organization, because of a supply chain issue where I have to hire as many people as I can every single day in order to stay uh, current or very close to current um, with our operation as compared to what historically has always been the case. So we're having to pivot almost daily here. 
Um, so again, number one supply chain issue I saw this year, uh, delays with the United States postal system, which again, that's the one thing we don't want to hear. And I don't believe any nonprofit in the country wants to hear that either. That's doing direct mail. Um, other things that I you may not think about that affect mailings and nonprofit agencies that are that are not only doing the creative but performing the procurement for print vendors and things of that nature, there's a paper shortage. So clients can't buy enough stock to now mail like they typically would. Instead of a million piece mailing, they may only have enough stock to to receive five or five hundred thousand. That's not good. Um, it alters the schedule again that uh, they produced early in the year. Um, things such as coins. A lot of our clients actually do coin mailings. So they may mail a nickel out and hope that a donor will donate and send the nickel back. There's a huge coin shortage. So many of my clients are not doing coin mailings. They cannot procure coins. Some of our clients, that's predominantly all they do. So they've been struggling with mailing uh, all year long, or it's forcing them to now think of other unproven ways in their mind that work for their particular organization. So that's been uh, a problem with the supply chain specifically. I'm concerned about the fourth quarter. In fact, going into this week and in December, that if I write a check to my favorite organization and date the check for today, and it's a large donation, I want to claim it on my taxes in 2021, that a firm like mine may not get that check until January 5th. So myself as the donor will see my check that I intended to be check cashed in you know November and December being cashed in January. And I become upset and I may not ever give to that organization again. It's Those it are- really it 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 ties together. Uh, Ronnie and I have had we've used the word fragile like it, it kind of exposes some it, it exposes some fragility because as you're talking about, like there's the the raw materials to produce any type of marketing piece. Right. And and then the trucking to get it from the initial place to the production place and then from there to wherever it's being mailed out of. And then there's the postal service and the to and from on the postal service side to get something processed. Like there's all these little interesting fragile points or or possible choke points that we're seeing all converge at once. It does create some really interesting decisions for nonprofits. And, and certainly every nonprofit is dealing with it differently. Yes, you're correct. Kent, you know, I kind of, as you go over all these different things that are impacting the business, it, it the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is, well, I can't imagine the customer, the client is going to be too happy to hear this. And I think back, you know, maybe to your the start of your career when you talked about your your time in the hotel business, it's a little bit like going to the hotel and finding out your reservation <laughs> got lost. And uh, so then I wonder how, how do you, the conversations that you have, um, you know, with, with clients, with these nonprofit organizations, obviously you have to kind of detail all of this stuff. How do you, how do you approach that and how are those conversations going right now? Yeah, good question, Ronnie. Um, well, number one, I think the majority of our, our clients, particularly the ones that I've talked to, they understand the situation, not only that we're in, but also the situation that uh, 
all of their partners are in, um, particularly our large organizations, because they deal with multiple vendors um, in different areas uh, of their programs. Um, what I'm encouraging every client to do, and in fact, I just sent last Friday uh, a client-wide communication out, um, I'm encouraging them to think differently at this time. Um, obviously, they need and rely on money, getting into the bank as quickly as possible, and getting data so they can make decisions for their programs. Um, but I'm encouraging them to think differently. And a, an example of that would be if you are preparing to do a, a, a year in mailing, which at this point it's a little late to do that. Um, but if you know you want uh, a calendar mailing for the the spring to go out, um, buy lists, mail as much as you can, um, and mail as early as you can. So it gets to us in some reasonable time frame to where we can still turn a, a thank you letter around to the donor and delight a donor. Um, you know, to think about doing things um, which are typically uh, something that we wouldn't recommend as much or push, but because we care about our clients, look at doing things digitally more. I mean, Everyone since I started here 16 years ago said, well, you'll run out. You won't have a job one day, Kent, because checks are going to wet, going away. Direct mail is dead. In my lifetime, that will never happen. But I also am encouraging all of my clients to speak with their agencies and look at different ways. Uh, you know, outbound calling in some cases, um, digital, more digital ads, uh, more website uh uh, content um, that can circumvent some of the supply chain issues that I think clients are going to be dealing with. You know, I, what I really appreciate, Kent, is uh, you didn't say pivot. <laughs> and and why I appreciate that is for the, a handful of reasons. One, I'm tired of hearing it. Uh, but then, but then second, you said think differently, which is so many times when we hear pivot, we go to, okay, that's me facing this direction and then turning and facing this direction, right? Whenever I, I teach my son how to pivot playing basketball, like you, you turn, right. it's a hundred, it's almost 180 degrees that you're turning. Uh, but thinking differently doesn't mean that you're turning on your back completely on what you've done. And as direct marketers, we're very interested in remaining control-based. Like we have these proven things that we've done and we want to continue to do. And so it's about us thinking differently on how to use that space that would normally be occupied by labels. Or is there something that we can, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've seen some food banks talk about the supply chain as it relates to the increase in prices on food. And what that means for impacting ultimately the clients that they serve. And so it actually becomes a message of advantage of, you know, thinking differently to how do we just take this, this current circumstance and use it so that we can stay relevant uh, out in front. Right. I, I agree. And I also, Justin, don't like the word pivot. And I said it earlier regarding something. So let's make sure we strike that. Um, but I'll give you a perfect example. You just mentioned food banks and we work with probably 13 food banks and the largest uh, uh, provider in America. Uh, so uh, 
we and we the food banks actually roll up under this particular organization. They learn a lot from them. But we have a food bank here in Maryland that we work with um, that are they're having a hard time procuring, for example, Thanksgiving turkeys, which they typically donate. So when they talk to me about you know, we're we're worried that we're not going to be able to just feed the typical people that we usually do in Maryland that need turkeys. We talked about canvassing, which I thought was interesting because they knew of canvassing, but they've never canvassed. So I talked to them about how about recruiting local organizations in each town in Maryland and provide them with a bag and have kids, for example, go door to door in each neighborhood and ask if people would be willing to donate a frozen turkey or canned vegetables. It's very similar to what sometimes happens in your neighborhoods today, but they organized a mass canvassing effort and they have more food than they know what to do with at this point. So it's really about thinking currently, and again, I agree with you 100%, this too will pass and we should go back to proven methods, I think, But right now, I think it's all about what can we do differently every single day to try not to have a a huge impact on the ultimate mission, which is serving our nonprofit organizations. And every single day I come into this this office, I have to think differently because it's a new day every day. Yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really interesting time uh, for for all of us. And I think again, there's there's a, a sub thread to your point about thinking differently and uh, and that, you know, we do see this as a storm and we're all in different parts of the storm. Some of us, some nonprofits may be getting a sprinkle and some may be feeling a deluge. Uh, and so but we we also think that we will uh, we will. We will adapt. We will evolve. We will uh, stay out in front because that's what nonprofits do. And uh, and so I think the other sub thread that that I'm interested in your perspective uh, is, you know, longer term. And so as you have weathered, you know, the last six or eight months uh, specifically, um, the conversations that you've had with clients around any longer term decisions, you know, it's kind of the the old adage or the one that seems to rear its head far too often is organizations looking at cutting acquisition. <laughs> it's, it seems like it's always the it's like there's this quick trigger to should we cut acquisition? No, of course you shouldn't cut acquisition. But uh, but it seems that that's starting to rear its head again, even through this circumstance. Yes, I would say, and I've said my entire career, um, once I found out what acquisitions actually meant 16 years ago, that if you cut acquisitions, your program will suffer. And I don't know of one client that that has not happened to. And I've, over the years, probably had at least 50 to 100 clients who made a decision at one point or another to cut their acquisition, uh, just to save a few a few amount, uh, you know, a little bit of money for a particular year where they're trying to make a particular number. Um, I believe that if you continue to uh, invest in new mailings, new acquisitions, and even increase what you typically do, you will be repaid tenfold. And it, 
This year is a perfect example. Um, last year was a political, obviously an election year. Our volume spikes every election year because we deal with both sides of the aisle in, in many different uh, areas. Uh, our volume this year with COVID is actually higher than it was last year. So the people that did not cut acquisitions when COVID happened, they're reaping the benefits now. I see it because I know our response volume. We're going to do well over 55 million pieces of mail this year when last year we did 51 million pieces. So in some regards, while the pandemic is, is absolutely terrible, it has actually sparked donor interest and in giving. Um, and for organizations right now that are that are afraid of the supply chain problem, which I think we all are, we don't want delays. Do not cut acquisition, because if you do a year from now, two years from now, you will it will take you longer to recover from it. I would not do that. But what I would encourage all of our our clients to do is if you're developing and you have not developed your 2022 plan, and that is direct mail, that's digital, that's any channel that you're working in. Uh, sit down and either revamp the plan that you've made, take a look at it, or develop something that's completely different. Um, and don't cut acquisition. Well said. Uh, that's, that's the best advice uh, that we can give any of our nonprofit marketing partners that and and continue to communicate and over communicate and and communicate even more. I think that those are the those are our north stars and walking through this uh, this newly unprecedented moment that we're uh, that we're existing in right now as we go through year end and and so Kent really man we we appreciate your perspective we uh, we love the work that that you and your team do and could not. Uh, see the benefits of our collective work without what you and other partners like yours do. So thank you for for all of that. Hey, just as we as we wrap, if uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you, where can they find you? How can they get in touch with you? Sure. Thanks so much, Justin. Uh, just look at the Merkel uh, Response website. It's www.merkelresponse.com. My information's there, and I'd encourage anybody to contact me directly. Um, you can also fill out a submission form on the website. That comes directly to me, and I'll call you back personally. Very cool. And we're in saying that we're looking. We're not looking for like uh, for just outbound cold sales. Uh, things coming in. So Kent's good with his with his leads list for any of those folks that are listening in. Uh, you know, sometimes when you receive anything that's on the website, you get plenty of, of those as well. So, right. I also would just note that, um, you know, we've had a very good year and we continue to have a very good year in terms of bringing new clients in. But we also talk to clients that will never work with us. So the clients that may think that they're too small to talk to uh, a Merkle, for example, just call us. We give free advice. We talk about trends. Um, and we love to develop relationships. So we'll be happy awesome. to chat. Very cool. Kent, really appreciate it. Ronnie, it's, uh, uh, you know, we're having these conversations and I really just, I appreciate that um, no matter where in the supply chain we talk, we're hearing consistent uh, feedback and insights of the over-communicate, you know, thinking about new ways, just identifying new ways to approach 
connecting with donors and putting donors first. And so I love that we're hearing that from Kent. We're hearing that from others in the space as well. And we're hearing about pivots. We're hearing a lot about pivots. I got to go. I got to wipe I the just, bottom of my shoes off. I just wanted to say it since everyone else had said it. Thanks. Thanks. Somebody <laughs> please insert a, a friend's meme uh, into <laughs> into the tail end of this episode. All right. So that's it for uh, for this episode. And Kent, thanks again for, for being a part of our chat. Uh, and so uh, we, uh, we look forward to seeing you down the road, man. Yeah, absolutely. Justin and Ronnie, thanks for being great partners with us. We appreciate it. For sure. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but it's the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers. Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.